the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Chewing Company and other factors. The following program is sponsored Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy, a message about faith under fire. It is no surprise that those who love God will be hated by the world. But understand this, God's doing it to purify us, to strengthen our faith, to spread the gospel. And you see, persecution tells us who the legitimate sons and the illegitimate sons are. Those who are willing to be chastised and suffer for Jesus, those who are going to run from it in the middle of trouble. Jesus told us that in this world we would have trouble, but he also proclaimed that he has overcome the world. And it's through his victory that we find the hope and strength to endure. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, And today, Philip DeCourcy teaches us that we should not be surprised when we face fiery trials of any kind. After all, we're in a spiritual battle here on earth. But God's word calls us to look beyond the fray to see how God is turning every evil into ultimate good. Well, open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. We're in a series entitled Maximum Security. Given the nature of the terrorist threat facing our country, both abroad and at home, how real this is, that we've been trying to get our heads around this idea of Islamic terrorism and the threat that it poses both on the foreign field and domestically. We've been trying to get our head around where do we find our security in days of insecurity? Paul says, pray and don't worry. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. Could there be anything more practical and poignant than that? So in the face of terror and trouble and threat, pray and God will give you a peace. But there's a second thought, 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. And the thought we're going to take from this is we must have a realistic expectation about suffering. Okay? We must have a realistic expectation about suffering. Let's not be surprised that trouble comes and terror takes place in the world and against the church. Because loving God invariably leads to men hating us. Let me say that again. Loving God invariably leads to men hating us. That's what Peter's going to teach us here. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. The Christian life is the crucified life. Wounds of all kinds, physical and psychological, await those who love and follow the crucified Savior. Study church history, read it, and you should, and you'll see that the church in every age won few popularity awards. 
You see, the Christian life is the crucified life. The one who bears the wounds in his hands and his feet. If you love him and follow him, you too are going to face the hatred and the harassment of the world, for he did. And he told us that, didn't he, in John 15, 18 to 19. He says, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And they persecuted me before they'll persecute you. So just understand, folks, you and I are going to face persecution if we look anything like the Lord Jesus. In fact, here's what's interesting. Look at verse 4 of the same chapter. Back up into verse 4 of chapter 4. In regard to these things, they think it's strange. There's our word, which will be used in verse 12. They think it's strange that you no longer run with them. Now, this is all about Christians who are converted to Christ and they've changed their lifestyle. Now they're living under the lordship of Jesus. There's true regeneration. There's true life change because if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. All things become new. Look at verse 3. We no longer get drunk. We no longer go to drinking parties. We no longer do the things we used to do. And when they hear about the change in our life, that we don't sing in the pub on a Saturday night, we now go to church and sing hymns on a Sunday morning, they think think you're nuts. They actually think you're strange. And here's the point Peter's making when you look at verse 4 and connect it to verse 12. Don't think it's strange when they hurt you or harass you. Unbelievers are shocked at the behavior of believers, but believers should never be shocked at the behavior of unbelievers. They're going to be shocked when you start living a righteous life, but you should never be shocked when they treat you and mistreat you. That's the point Peter's making. So we need to have realistic expectations. That's kind of my big point, right? Don't think it strange when these things happen to you. Have realistic expectations. Expectations are important. If you and I are going to handle the world we live in, both with the threat from the outside with ISIS and the threat from inside with the secularists and the atheists who are now aggressive and arrogant and want to remove all Christian symbols and prayers and literature from the public square, and when they can get away with it, they want to get rid of Christians from professorships and places of authority. They want the whole public square to themselves. And you and I need to waken up to the fact that that's the world we live in, and we can find peace by, number one, praying, and number two, being realistic about our expectations. Okay? Don't go around, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Or, I can't believe our country does this. I can't believe that people do that. Believe it. Don't think it's strange. When your family gives you the elbow, when somebody at work turns against you, when you're on the outside of the world looking in. Because that's what it was for the master. That's what it was for his apostles. That's what it's been like for the church. And then secondly and finally, we not only see that persecution is inevitable, persecution is intentional. You've heard it said, but it's good to hear it repeated because we get tested here each and every week of our lives. There are no accidents with God, only appointments. As Christians, we don't believe in happenstance. We don't believe in luck. We don't believe in cold fate. We believe that God is working all things after the counsel of his own will. Ephesians 1 verse 11. We believe that God can work all things together for good to them that love him. Romans 8 verse 20. That's what we believe, and it comes out of the text we're looking at. Suffering will happen. That's a given. It's inevitable, but it's intentional. God's doing something through it and in it. Now, if we take Joseph as an example, the world 
intends to do us evil. But as the world hounds us, as the world seeks to hurt us, as the world seeks to crimp our style and silence our voice, you and I need to know that God is doing something with what they're doing. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. That was Joseph's story. And I think if you study the persecution of the church, you study the book of Acts, you'll see that there's nothing accidental about persecution. God uses it, and we'll get to that thought in a moment in a deeper way. But let's know this. Like we read here in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, for to this you were called. Something intentional about that. In fact, that thought, if you want to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3, here's what we've got. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know we're appointed to this. You see, if you look at the end of verse 12, as though something strange happened to you, the word happened is a Greek word that means to fall by chance. And Peter's kind of saying, don't be thinking this is happening by chance. That what's happening is something outside the will of God. In fact, when we get to verse 19, we're going to see that if your suffering is genuine suffering, not something you've stoked up by poor behavior on your part, we'll look at that. Very interesting where Paul says, I hope you're not a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, and I certainly hope you're not a busybody going around sticking your finger in people's faces and prodding, you know, beehives to a point where you're bringing a lot of trouble on yourself. But if you've really suffered for the cause of Christ then know that you've suffered according to the will of God. There's nothing happenstance about this, nothing accidental. And we see that in a couple of ideas. This phrase, fiery trial, or you might have fiery ordeal, that speaks about intentionality. Now, some have made the argument, this is Peter writing from Babylon, Rome, and he's hinting at, here's what's happening over here. Nero's starting to burn our people. There's really no evidence of that. I think this is low-grade persecution. That may be coming, but I think here it's more unofficial harassment, being outcasts of society, the world turning its back on the church. And God's going to use that to refine the church. That's the idea here with fiery trial. I don't think it's physical. I think it's metaphorical. In fact, I think that Peter has Proverbs 27, verse 21 in mind. Proverbs 27 and verse 21, let me read it for you. And there, the verse thinks about the refining process of precious metals. Here's what we read. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. The fiery trial, the fiery ordeal removes the slag or the impurities from the gold or the silver, and it becomes very precious. In fact, go back to chapter 1 and verse 6 to 7, and I think I'll make my argument. Look at what Peter says in chapter 1 concerning, again, the kind of suffering they're going to face. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now a little while you need to be grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be, look at the words, tested by fire. So I don't think it's physical fire. I think Peter is saying, look, don't think it's a strange thing when you face a fiery trial, when you're persecuted or attacked or rejected, because God's using it like the refiner uses the fire to remove the impurities in the metal. And we have pure gold and you have sterling silver. And Peter's saying, look, you need to understand that God is up to something in all that's coming down on your life. 
and he's going to refine you about your faith is going to be tested, your faith is going to be proven to be genuine. Look at the word that follows that. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Your version might read, to prove you. So there's a hidden hand, the hand of providence that's using what the world is doing to the church to refine the church, to purify the church. I think common sense tells us this, a reading of church history tells us this, the church is purest under persecution because the wheat is separated from the chaff, the true from the false, the illegitimate from the legitimate. What might be some of God's designs in suffering? Or better still, to be more focused in our text, what might God seek to do through persecution? I wrote down a list of things. God uses it to forcefully spread the gospel. I see that in Acts 8 verse 4. Acts 8 verse 4, where we read that because of persecution, the believers were scattered everywhere, and they went everywhere preaching the word. I don't want to read too much into the text. I always want to read out of the text. But, you know, at the beginning of that book, they were to preach the gospel and be a witness in Jerusalem and Samaria and out into the other most parts of the world. Could it be that God was giving them a little nudge through the fist of persecution? having them do what they would not normally, naturally want to do, pushing them outside their comfort zone. But God pushes the church further and further out into the world so that the gospel can spread. And I think God does that. God uses persecution to unsettle a settled church. God uses persecution to have the seed spread in the areas we would not naturally go. And so I think that's one design. God uses it to forcefully spread the gospel. Number two, God uses it to bring good out of bad, to show himself sovereign. I think God often uses persecution to outsmart the forces that stand behind it, which are often human and spiritual. Satan is often behind attacks on Christians. Paul says in his letter to the Thessalonians, I would have come earlier, but Satan hindered me. And then there are godless governments and wicked men, and they seek to do the church harm. But God is so sovereign that often he uses persecution to spread the gospel, and he uses persecution to show his sovereignty and to outsmart the enemy. Classic example, Philippians 1 verse 12 through 18. Paul's writing to update the church at Philippi on what has gone on. Epaphroditus has brought news back to that church. And here's what Paul says. I love this little phrase. I want you to know that I'm okay because they loved Paul. In fact, he tells us in chapter 4 that they sent again and again to his necessity. They sent them food parcels. They sent them clothes. No doubt the women in the church made some clothes for Paul. He might have been able to sew tents. I don't think he could sew clothes. And they were good to him. And Paul says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. What has happened to me? He was being persecuted. He's in prison. This is his first imprisonment. We're dealing with Acts 28 in the book of Acts. And Paul says, I want you to know something interesting is happening. I got arrested. They carted me off to Rome. I'm under house arrest. But I want you to know, and he tells us later in that passage, that some of Caesar's secret service agents, the Praetorian Guard, are coming to Christ. You've got to kind of laugh, the humor of it. They're trying to imprison God's servant. They're trying to curtail the gospel. And here is the gospel penetrating Caesar's palace. And God does that. Paul's saying, I want you to know I am being used by God as a spearhead to break things wide open even in Caesar's house. 
We're back to what you meant for evil, God's meant for good. God uses persecution to forcefully spread the gospel, to bring good out of bad. Thirdly, bring people to Christ. That's Acts 16, right? Paul, the only stocks and bonds he ever had were the ones around his wrists and his ankles. And there he is in prison. And the Bible says this beautiful thing. At midnight, Paul sang hymns. He wasn't singing rock and roll, but stuff begins to rock and roll. And there's an earthquake and the doors of the prison swing open. He could have escaped. He didn't. And the prisoners who listened to him, according to verse 626 of Acts 16, were still there. And the jailer comes in. He's blown over. And he says, Paul, there's something about you. What must I do to be saved? Then he gets saved and the family gets saved and they all get baptized. God uses persecution to forcefully spread the gospel, bring good out of bad, bring people to Christ. And finally, in closing, I think God uses it to separate the true from the false. I've hinted at this. The church in Russia was strong under communism. The churches in Romania and Eastern Europe were strong under communism. In fact, when freedom came to those countries, they feared prosperity. I remember Romanian pastors and Russian pastors through Slavic Gospel Mission coming to the churches in Northern Ireland, and we rejoiced that God had answered the prayers, and the Iron Curtain was down. But these men said, we fear this. Because persecution purges the church and purifies the church. But now prosperity, where there's no cost to be a Christian. And the Bible would want us to know that God uses persecution to separate the legitimate from the illegitimate. I think the verse I'm thinking of here is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? If you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not a son. If you run from suffering, if you don't submit to the discipline of God and the chastening circumstances He puts you through to prove that you're a true child of His and you will follow Him at cost and live out the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're going to find out in persecution who are true and who are false. We're going to get the wheat and the chaff separated. And that's a good thing. I don't wish persecution upon the American church, but if God allows it within His providence and we're heading into darker and difficult days, it's going to be good for the church. Because the church in America has a real soft underbelly of people who think they belong in Hebrews 11 just because they drive the church in the rain. Okay? No. We don't even know what cost to follow Christ truly means. And if difficult days come, that's going to be good for us. And so I'll finish with this. This came out of the time of the Iron Curtain. And I've heard it several times, so I assume it's legitimacy. The story is that during the time of persecution and communism in Russia, a small band of believers were meeting. And they were meeting out of fear. They often had to meet at night or away because the KGB or the Russian Secret Service was trying to find out where the Christians were and imprison them. And many pastors in the European countries and in Russia went to jail for their faith. And a small band of believers were meeting one night. And as they were meeting, The door is wrapped and the door opens and two soldiers come rushing in in uniform with AK-47s. And they tell everybody to get up against the wall and put their hands up. And they begin to badger and shout and warn and threaten. In fact, they said, we want to say this before we do what we do. If you want to deny Jesus Christ today, this morning, you can leave. 
And one or two did and slipped out. They continued to press and threaten, and one more person slipped out. But by this stage, every father and mother and every child that loved Jesus Christ stood their ground with their hands held high. And at that moment, the story goes that the soldiers put their weapons down, and they said, brothers and sisters, don't put your hands down. Keep them up. We're joining you, and let's praise Jesus and worship the Lord. And they went on to explain that they had come to faith in Jesus Christ, and they wanted to join themselves to a true body of believers, and they needed to find out who the true Christians were. And they found it out at the end of a gun barrel. And you see, persecution does that. Persecution tells us who the legitimate sons and the illegitimate sons are. Those who are willing to be chastised and suffer for Jesus, those who are going to run from it and deny him. Although let me say by a little footnote, that can happen momentarily. You can lapse. I mean, the guy who wrote the book we're studying, First Peter, didn't he lapse in a moment of cowardice and lack of courage? But he comes back. And Jesus said, when you come back, Peter, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And he writes this book to strengthen them that they'd stand in God's grace and that they would understand that it is no surprise that those who love God will be hated by the world. It is inevitable. But understand this, there's an intention to it. God's doing it to purify us, to strengthen our faith, to spread the gospel and to confront the unbeliever with the joy and sweetness of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of trouble. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this rich passage of God's Word that is so timely. As Mark reminded me in conversation, perhaps First Peter best describes what life is like for the church in America. There's no official persecution. We're not being, for the most part, arrested and put into jail. We're not living under the threat of our life being taken, but there's that arrogant university professor that picks us out, singles us out in the classroom for mockery. There's that boss who has it in for us simply because we're a Christian. There's that husband who doesn't understand anymore why we have changed as a wife or vice versa. That's the world we live in. That's our experience. And Lord, you've told us Not to think it a strange thing that these things would happen to us, but to rejoice and to count it a privilege to share in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus because the Christian life is the crucified life. And we pray for grace to stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Know the Truth. Author, pastor, and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy reminds us not to be surprised when we experience persecution for our faith. It's a message from our series titled Maximum Security. Hear all of these daily messages online or purchase the complete study in one CD album when you visit ktt.org. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to present clarifying biblical truth through Philip's straightforward expository teaching that tackles the challenges of our modern culture. But as you may know, it's expensive to produce and distribute these daily messages. So that's where you can help. Today, we hope you'll sign up to become one of our monthly Truth Ambassadors. Your monthly donation of $25 or more will help advance the gospel across the country and around the world. And as one of our Truth Ambassadors, you'll receive special resources like our Accord newsletter, a monthly live video devotional from Philip, and much more. 
Call us at 888-644-8811 or sign up to be a monthly partner online at ktt.org. However you choose to give today, with a one-time gift or a monthly donation, we'll put you on the list to receive Philip's newest book titled, Take Cover. Due to release any day now, this book will be the perfect companion to our current Bible study. In fact, Philip wrote Take Cover based on the Maximum Security series. You'll be one of the first to receive the book when you give to Know the Truth today. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd also like to send you an entirely free resource. It's a bookmark that summarizes some of the key points from Philip's new book, Take Cover. Ask for the Take Cover bookmark when you call 888-644-8811. That's all the time we have today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Tomorrow, Philip will be discussing the cost of discipleship. It's an inspiring message. Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. An exciting new book from Regnery looks at the power of love and intimacy from a godly perspective. It's called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Sex is powerful. Just saying the word can stir up all kinds of emotions inside people. Maybe it's a positive emotion for you or a hurtful, shameful, confusing one. It's no wonder we humans struggle to understand its meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Nancy Houston, a sex therapist, leadership coach, and licensed professional counselor. After counseling hundreds of clients about the topic of intimacy, I decided to write Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Love and Sex is filled with life-changing, compelling stories to help us all reconnect to love and is biblically based on the truths of God's Word. Get your copy now of best-selling author Nancy Houston's compelling new book, Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. WAVA value. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.